All right. Good morning, church. How are we? Everybody say, we can't stay here on three. Ready? One, two, three. Where do you want to go? Want to go? Where do you guys want to go? Hey, you know, the number one question that I have been asked, and I've been in ministry now for about 25 years, the number one question that I'm asked is, what does God want me to do? You ever asked that before? God, what do you want me to do? God, if you'll tell me what you want me to do, I'll go do it. Uh, I think the this, this struggle, the tension of trying to figure out God's will, uh, where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do, is probably one of those higher level tensions for us. Why? Because uh, decisions, right? Everybody is making decisions. Uh, you've got daily decisions. You've got small decisions. You've got large decisions. Some of you guys right now, you're wrestling through, uh, do we have... We've got two kids. Do we need one more kid, right? Should we have one more? God, what do you want us to do? Some of you guys are in a, in a dilemma right now of like, uh, I've been trying to keep my car alive. Should I go ahead and bite the bullet and buy another one, or should I just keep sinking money in this death pit, right? You're trying to decide. Six more months, a little bit longer. Uh, some of you guys are trying to decide, do we stay or do we go, right? I got a new job offer. Do I take it? Do I stay? Well, in all decisions, we know this. Decisions determine your direction, right? Because out of all the decisions we make, they really do kind of guide and direct uh, where we end up. So the question we want to look at today is where, where are we going and uh, kind of how do we get there? But I want to look at something this morning that really addresses this question. What does God want for us? What does he want? Uh, so uh, before we dive into that, let me just say a couple things real quick. Uh, this, this, this guy right here that just sang, he is a senior in high school. Josh is a senior in high school, about to go off to pursue uh, worship ministry leading stuff at Liberty University. So uh, great job for uh, Josh leading this morning. And also, can you guys just look real quick at everybody standing in the back? Elliot, pause, all you guys, and everyone just sat down. No, 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 stand up. I just want to say thank you to our production team. You guys do a great job. A great job. They, these, these guys serve week in, week out, multiple services. This morning we had something going on with our bass guitar and something with the amp, and these guys are scrambling to solve it, trying to go unnoticed. And I just want to say thank you, Elliot, and your team back there. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, let's do this. Let me pray for us and ask God to guide us through this conversation today. And let me acknowledge that you guys are here today. And it's like spring break week for most of us. So, like, hats off to you. I think this is going to be a good one for us today. And I just discerned that you guys, like me, must be the people who either don't have the official 30A sticker on our bumpers or on our cars. Or if you don't know what that means, that means we don't have a friend with a condo at the beach. (laughs) So I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's pray. Lord, be with us this morning. Guide us through this conversation uh, God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you'd have us know and learn and do. In your name I pray, amen. So, decisions. Have you ever regretted making the wrong decisions? Anybody ever made some decisions you regretted? I know you're like, I'm not even asking for hands. People are like, yes, yes. How many of you ever made an emotional decision and you regretted it because in that moment, your emotion, your emotion lied to you. It said you wanted it more than you wanted it, and you bought it anyways. 
It lied to you because you were, maybe you, have you ever lost your temper and made a decision out of being mad? Some of you lost your temper on the way to church this morning and you said, shut up kids, we're going to church, we're going to worship Jesus today. <laughs> Dad, gum you kids, we're going to love them too. Just do it because I said so. Um, well, decisions really do determine direction. And they are, they are crucial to uh, getting to where uh, we want to go, to where God wants us to go. So they're huge. I've noticed as we've just seen uh, this millennial generation, which is many, many, many of you, uh, I have three you know, millennials in my house, and so I'm becoming more and more familiar with millennials and do some studies and research on how the church is connecting with millennials, how do we reach millennials, what's, what's going on in their hearts and minds. And I would say this, out of millennials, uh, making decisions is probably harder for you today than it was in my generation or older because you got so many more options. I mean, there are just so many more options. You just think of someone who's a senior going to high school. When I was graduating high school, you had just two options. It was you work or you go to more school, right? Nowadays, it's like you can do super senior year, which is like an extra senior year, kind of like an in-between senior year, do a little leadership thing, a little travel thing. You can do that. You can, you can go to work. You can travel. You can go to college. But that's not just college. It's like you can choose to be like physically there or you can be there online, right? Or, or nowadays you can choose to like make it big and become famous on YouTube, and that's an option today. I think I'll just stay home and play video games, and I'll become a professional video game player, right? So there are, there, there are a lot of options. Just take, just take movies, for example. I remember, like, when I was younger, flying on an airplane. You got it on an airplane. How many movies, how many movie options were there? One. They showed a movie, and everybody saw the one movie on the plane, right? Five years ago, I remember we getting on a plane and flying somewhere far with my kids, and there was five options. Now, it's like 100 options. It's like going home. Recently, my family and I were like, hey, let's watch a movie tonight. We went home, and we looked up and got, had net Netflix, right? We searched, and we, we, we sat there for like 45 minutes looking for a movie, and we, I finally got frustrated, and I said, we're not watching a movie tonight. We couldn't decide, right? We, we could not come to a resolution of Netflix movies. So what did we do? We just didn't decide. We just didn't see a movie. So here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that for a lot of us, because our world is faced with so many options, we have so many options, most of us are scared to make the wrong decision. So what we do, almost worse than making the wrong decision, we do what? We don't make any decision. And we're finding that more and more people feel stuck because they're scared to take a step and scared to make a decision. And so all of us, we want to know where to go. I mean, I don't think there's a person in here that would say, I don't want God to help me with where he thinks is best for me to go. I, I just, I, I don't really care where I'm, well, I mean, I think there are probably people who don't care where they're going. But the average person wants to know, wants help with what's next. So we're in a series called We Can't Stay Here. We talked about that last week. We understand that if you get stuck, whether it be because of past decisions and mistakes or hurts or failures or just fatigue, if you stay and you don't ever move, you will die. If you get stuck 
and you don't ever move, your life's going to crumble. We've got to keep moving. We've got we to gotta move forward. We've we got to advance. We can't just stay permanent in one spot. It's kind of like working out. If you work out, you work out, your muscles grow. If you stop working out, you stop exercising, you stop walking, you stop moving, what happens? Atrophy. Things shrink, right? It becomes small. You become weak, and eventually you die. We've got to move. So there is a difficult dilemma that we face. There's lots of decisions. But here's what I want to ask today. When it comes to God's will, what does God care about most? He wants us to get to where he wants us to go. He knows that we want to know where he wants us, where we want to go, and he wants to help us get there. But here's what God's concerned about. In your notes today, I've got, I've got a very few minimal amount of notes today. Minimal notes for the millennials. All right? Write less, learn more, people. That's how we work around here, right? We got one thought today, and it's this. God cares about who before do. I'm going to let that sink in. God cares more about who. Who we are more than what we do. God cares about me and who I'm becoming more than who or where I'm going, what I'm going to do. So God cares more about who before do. What is God's will for you? All right, Thessalonians 4.3 says, God's will is for you to be an accountant. No, it doesn't say that. God's will is for you to be an engineer. It doesn't say that. God's will for you is to be a teacher. No, God's number one will, plain and simple, before you can ever figure out where, what you do in life or what's next, God's number one primary goal is God's will for us to, is to be holy. God wants us to be holy. The word holy literally means set apart, to be different. God wants us to be set apart for him, for his purpose. And when we, when we, when we give in to God's will and his plan for us and who he wants us to become, man, all of a sudden the lights come on and the, 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 the brakes go off and we can cruise into where God wants us to go when we understand and focus in on who he wants us to become. So it's always who before do when it comes to God. He wants us to be concerned with who we're becoming more than where we're going. Um, so the problem for us is um, when you think about this idea, oftentimes it comes down to this idea called motives. Sometimes it's hard when we're making decisions to really understand our motives behind things. You know what they say about um, the, the, the reason why we do things? They say, uh, the, the, the reason I do something is, one, the, the, the thing that I'm saying, the thing that I say, that's why I'm doing it. Either I'm saying it and it's understandable that what I'm saying, that's what I really want to do, uh, and or it is not what I'm really saying and there's a motive behind what I'm saying, and that's the real reason. It's one of those two things. Either I'm saying it, or there's another reason behind what I'm saying, and that's the real reason. But here's the thing. When it comes to my household, uh, my kids, uh, there's one that's better than all the rest, and this one, one particular I'm thinking of in my household is a master at buttering me up and is a master at disguising her motives. You got anybody like that in your household? I mean, they are masters of disguise. Uh, it normally goes down like this, like, Daddy, you're the greatest. Daddy, 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 oh, Daddy, I love you so much. I, Daddy, I thank the Lord for you. 
Daddy, Daddy, if I could pick out, if I lined up all, and this is what we say this to our kids. We've said it when they were young. Daddy, if I could line up all the daddies in the world and just pick one, I would pick you. Daddy, I don't want nothing. I'm just, I, Daddy, I just want you to know that I love you, Daddy. Daddy, I love you. are the greatest daddy ever lived. That's all I want to say, Daddy. I don't, want, I don't need anything. Oh, Daddy, can I have a kitten? I mean, that's how it goes in my house. And, and see, here's the thing. Motives matter to Daddy. That's why we don't have a kitten in my house, right? Because motives matter to Daddy, and, and motives matter to God. So Galatians 1.10 says this, am I, am I now trying to win the approval of human means or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So, so here's the thing, motives matter. Motives matter to God. Motor, motives matter to, to, to us, right? Don't you kind of get repulsed sometimes when you know that someone's just trying to swindle you for something? You know that their motives are all jacked up. You're like, I know this guy wants us for this reason that, that he's not sane. He's talking about this, but he really wants it for this. And our motives matter to us, too, because oftentimes our motives can almost disguise themselves, and we miss what our motives are. Does that happen to you? I've looked back at some decisions I've made, and I've said, ooh, I made it because I thought it was for that reason. It really wasn't for that reason. It was serving something else, right? I've made lots of bad decisions based off of motives that were not clear. Motives matter. And here's the thing when it comes to motives. It's almost impossible to end up at the right place with the wrong motives. Let me say that one more time. It's almost impossible to end up in the right place with the wrong motives. Examine your motives. Um, You buy a car. Do you buy a car because you want to fit in? Or do you really need that car? My brother just bought a Jeep two days ago. And all my fantasies, and I've had Jeeps in my past, like brand new Sahara package, already jacked up tires, He's been calling me for the last month asking me about gear ratios and if he got this certain side tire on it, what would he need to have? And th- this is my expertise. I mean, I know this stuff. But now all of a sudden, my desire for owning a Jeep has just like grown tremendously in the last few days and having this conversation over the last month with my brother. I really, really want a Jeep now, but why do I want a Jeep? Well, because my brother's got a cooler Jeep now. Right? I'm, I mean, if I'm just, if I'm just be, yes, I want it, but I want it for more reasons now. And so we've got to, we've got to examine our motives. How about, how about when we post things on social media? Social media. That's how I say it in my Miami voice. My wife always teases me because I say video, video, video. Um, examine our motives. I mean, how often do you post something on social media just because you, you just want to be inspirational today, ladies? But you were wearing your, like, newest, coolest outfit also on that, in that post. Am I? Oh, oh, toes are stepped on right now. I just got some looks. Oh, my gosh. I just, and I saw husbands go, wham. Don't you hurt your woman now. She'll backslap you. So, or, I mean, oh, I've been working out. I look really good. I'm going to take one of my shirt off. My body feeling good today. I'm going to post this because I just want to inspire somebody with something cool that I said. No, you just thought you looked good. 
That's all there was to it. So we've got to examine our motives. Paul said this in Corinthians or Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whatever, whatever, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here's the thing. It's always about who. It's always about who we're becoming more than what we're trying to go do. See, God wants us right where we're at now, in this moment, to, to be our best at serving him. Whatever you do, whatever you're doing, do it for the Lord. Some of you guys are like, man, I, I just, I got, a, I got a terrible job right now. You know, I hate my job. I'm the, I'm the fry guy at whatever. Or, you know, I'm, I'm the low man on this totem pole. If you're the fry guy, if you're the low man on the totem pole, be the very best and do it as though you're working for the Lord. Whatever you're doing, do it for the Lord. Serve Him in what you're doing. Be the best and serve Him. And maybe, just maybe, God will give you something else. But we can't, we can't skirt the process of maybe, just maybe, God is going to grow you, and you have no idea why He's going to grow you where you're at. Maybe He's going to give you some, some amazing sea legs to weather some things in the future that you've got to experience now. And maybe God's going to grow you in such a way and do something in you because he's calling you to be who he wants you to be. So God oftentimes will grow us where we're at, but he wants us in every situation, whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you're like, I'm drowning in laundry and poop. I remember we had three kids. I mean, every stage that we were in the diapers, we were going, Lord, please, please, oh, please let this night go and let us have one more hour of sleep. Oh, Lord, please, please, please just make this not a bad poopy diaper. Right? I know that's bad to talk about in church. But, I mean, listen, you might be drowning in laundry, drowning in, in, in waste, but be the best. At what you're doing and whatever you're doing, do it for the Lord. Do it for the Lord. You may have a boss who's a jerk right now. And the Bible would say, serve that jerk with the love of Christ. Be the best and love him like Jesus would love him. Why? Because God wants you to be, wants you to be faithful right where you're at. He wants you to be faithful. So here's the thing. If you're becoming the right who... If you're saying, God, I want to be who you've called me to be, I want to, to lean into you, I want to follow you, I want, to, I want your image, I want to be in your image, I want to be like you, act like you, and think like you, God. If you're becoming the right who, get this, God will help you choose the right do. Ooh, isn't that awesome? I didn't make that up, I stole it, I plagiarized it, but it's awesome. Because this, I think it's a fact, I think it's totally biblical. If you're becoming the right who. If I'm leaning into God in all things, what's the scripture say in Psalms or Proverbs? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will do what? Make your path straight. If I'm in all my ways, leaning into God, becoming the right who, if I'm becoming the right who, God will lead me to the right do. God will always get you where he wants you to go if you're following him, pursuing him giving your heart and your attention to him. I, um, I made a list this morning in my notes. I've got this written down of some guys that I really, really look to 
and discerned and, and, and leveraged their wisdom, their abilities as mentors in my life. I, I, I've kind of got them listed in not necessarily good order here. But Kirk Nowry, uh, my pastor growing up, I still consider him my pastor. Kirk spoke for us several times. Kirk uh, worked for John Maxwell one time, leadership guru. He, he was the president of his company. Kirk was a, was a VP at Samaritan's Purse, one of the largest nonprofit uh, ministries out there. Uh, Kirk taught me love for people. Hands down, I learned love for people and, 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 and a heart for maybe pastoring a church from Kirk. Uh, I learned John Maxwell. I learned leadership from John Maxwell. All through my 20s, because of Kirk Nowry's influence and other bosses that I, were, I was under, we always went to a John Maxwell conference, listened to a podcast, went through a book, worked through some resources. I remember when I was like 25 years old, I, I came back from a con- conference and I was so jacked up, I was going to become a leader. I was going to be a leader. I was going to read every book there was on leadership, right? I came back with like six bags of CDs and like, I think it was actually tape cassettes then, but, I, but let's just say CDs because I might date myself because I've kind of forgotten, all right, so long ago. But CDs and books and like just boxes full of junk. And my wife said as I walked in the door, she how much did you pay for that? And I was like, I don't know, like 600 bucks. She's like, take it all back, all right. So I remember learning leadership from John Maxwell all through my 20s and 30s, just tons of leadership, John Maxwell. And, and I would say that's, that's what I gleaned from him. Uh, I, I probably really walked away with uh, the best understanding of how to pastor and shepherd and love, you know, like leading a church from my good friend Brian Beloy. Brian's a great pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, been on our board, great board member, godly wisdom, uh, learn pastoring from from Brian Beloy. I would say I learned how to think about money, and and both operate a budget and financials in our church or in my in my marriage in in our family and the church from Dave Ramsey. You guys know Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey's like the superstar right now. Everybody's he's like the financial guru for how to not overextend and be wise with your resources. And I was listening to Dave Ramsey all through my twenties. Right, he was out there. He was doing his thing. I was learning from Dave Ramsey, so I learned using money well from Dave Ramsey. But I would say this. Out of all my mentors, what stuck with me the most by the person who invested the most was my dad, Don Murphy. My dad, uh, I remember of my dad. Let me tell you some things I remember about my dad. My dad loved people. My dad's alive, so he didn't love. He still loves but my dad loves people. He, he showed me true, genuine love for people. All my years growing up, I remember my dad taking me all over different places in Miami, serving the homeless people. My dad would take people off the streets. He'd give them jobs. We'd walk up and down the streets, and he'd have a, a bucket of KFC. And he would walk up and down the road in Miami when I was a little kid, passing on stuff of like, son, it's all about serving somebody else. I remember I had cousins uh, that were wild, much older than I was, that were wayward, and like his brothers and sisters couldn't control him, and he'd say, come live with us for a, a month or two. I remember often people off the street and wayward family cousins, they would come and live in my house, and my dad would invest in them. I remember uh, being in high school, 
and driving to school and seeing my dad's truck at the favorite little breakfast spot. And every early morning, like a 6 a.m. or a 8 a.m., whatever, he'd be there with some guy discipling some younger man. All my life, I saw my dad disciple men. At my mom's funeral, when my mom died at 46, my dad was 46 years old, over a uh, hundred men that were my dad's hunting buddies and Miami Beach guys that he ran with all came and a hundred men prayed and received Christ at my mom's funeral. My dad, yeah, that's pretty cool. Some of you guys want to clap for that. Um, that's awesome. Uh, my dad uh, was was a guy who was extremely generous. I mean, just ridiculously generous. If he had it, he gave it to you. If you ever thought you needed it, it was yours. Uh, very generous with our church. He, t- he was a guy that tithed, and then beyond his tithe, my dad just, just whatever it took, uh, he handled business and took care of things as he, as he could, and even beyond what he, what he could. Uh, faithful to my mom. Uh, my, dad, my dad was faithful to my mom. I don't know what else to say about that. But that was an incredible an example for me. Um, and uh, my dad's still faithful to my stepmom. My mom passed away. My dad's still faithful to my stepmom. Always invests in his relationship with his wife. Uh, and the reason I say that is this. My dad uh, had, a, had a business. He never started a big business. His business wasn't like some big, huge corporation. He wasn't big, some big Mac Daddy CEO. Um, and I look at, look at all the things that I feel like my dad has passed on to me, things that I've wanted to glean. And can I tell you that I, I, can't, I can't fix a motor at all? I think I've, I've changed the oil a few times in my car. That was when I didn't have 15 bucks to go get it done, you know. Uh, I, I, I finally learned to change the brakes on my truck. I did that last year. Uh, but out of all the things my dad passed on, it was who he was, who he is, that shaped who I've become, not what he did. It wasn't my dad worked and, you know, gave, gave his whole life to his job and never passed on and never gave time to his family. My dad passed on who he was, not what he did. My dad was owned Murphy's Truck Repair Shop, a commercial business in Miami. My dad didn't pass on what he did. He passed on who he was. So it's all about the who. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. Now, Jesus talks about character and career, or talks about character over career. All through the Bible, you see Jesus talking about character, character, character. It's always the who before the do. So what does God want me to do? You know what? Wow, this is kind of crazy. I had my pages misaligned here. I just went over page three notes, and now I'm going back to page two. I think we can skip that. All right? So let's just skip that. So, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of confused here about where I'm going to go, but let's just do this. Let me give you another example. Don't you love this? This is just real, people. This is reality. All right? When you got four pages of notes and you do two services and you kind of put them back together after you've done them, that's what happens. So, all right, so let me ask you this. Here's a question. If I asked you, and you guys can be honest, you, you might hurt my feelings, but maybe not. Um, do you think it's a good probability that it's God's will for me to be a pastor? 
You guys think so? All right. I would say, and I believe Scripture would say, that that's secondary. That's secondary. What's what's primary is for me to uh, be more about my character and who I'm supposed to be rather than what I'm supposed to do. Pastoring's what I do, but not who I am. So more than being a pastor, it's God's will that I have and live a holy life. Uh, I can preach a great message, but if I'm abusive to my wife, am I in God's will? No. Am I going in the right direction? No. Uh, I can be a charismatic leader, and I can charge our church up. We can grow. We can be on target. We can make great great things happen. But if I don't pay my bills, (laughs) am I in God's will? No. So God values... Our motives, it's, it's very important for, for us to know the who and focus on being the who of what God's called us to be uh, more so than what we do. Second thing I want to give you is this. What's God's will? It's always why before the what. Why before the what? Um, why before the what? Proverbs 16.2 says this. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. So I've covered the motives now, all right? Worked on a little page, too, all right? So this is huge for us because I believe a lot of us can so easily get lost in a lot of, lot of distractions and a lot of decisions that are good, good decisions that we need to make. But know this, God is more concerned and wants us to be more consumed with who he wants us to be more than where we're going to go and what we're going to do. In fact, I think God right now would say, if, if, if you want to be proactive, do what I've already told you to do. Go love somebody. Go serve somebody. Some of you guys are like, but I'm frustrated. I want to know if I'm going to take this job or not. Well, until you know that, be who God's called you to be and serve well where you're serving. Love well with the people that God's put around you, with who he's entrusted you to be. I believe um, if I get the moment to, when I die someday, and I get the moment to choose how I die, I don't think that's going to happen. But if I got to choose how I die, I would want to just choose sitting somewhere where Christy's with me, and I could hold her hand, and, and we could talk. If, if, that, if, I, could, if I could let that happen, um, I would love to hold Christy's hand and have my last moments with her. Uh, and I know this. I know we would not talk about how well I preached. We would, that would not be a part of the conversation. We would not talk about how large our church grow, grew. We would not talk about how many churches that we started. That would, be, that would not be how our conversation would go. That's not what we talk about. In the same regard, my son, J.D., you know how often that boy comes home, and I'm studying, and I'm working, and I'm under the gun. I've got to get my notes turned in. They've got to get it on the screens and get them printed for the worship guide. And I'm, I'm under the gun. God, you just tell me what to say. I'll put it down in these notes, Lord. Hurry up. Where's that verse again, God? Help me figure it. And my son comes home, and you know what he says? 
Dad, I know you're busy. You play basketball with me right now? You play basketball with me now? And I, 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 there are times that I, Dad, I can't. I can't. But at the end of my life, you know, you know, you don't know what I wish I'd have done. I played basketball. So there are days that I got people mad at me because notes are not in, and I'm playing basketball. Because it's not, it's 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 all about the who. It's not about the do. My kids will not love being a part of the church by what daddy does. They, they, they won't love Jesus more if daddy's focused on being a pastor and what I do. My kids will love Jesus more and be better off if I'm focused on what God's called me to become. Am I right? So it's all about the who, not the do. And it's all about the why and not the what. And here's the thing. When you get the who right, when you get the who right, when you get this, this thing that God's called your life, pursuing God, and it's all about what he's calling you to become, when you get that right, you can do more. You, you can accomplish more. You can have greater impact. I, I know a lot of you, I want to have an impact. I want to be great at what I want to do. If you'll get this right, this pursuit, and this relationship with God right, you'll do more. Because how often do you see people who pursued their dreams and they're off to the races and they've got it all and all of a sudden what happens sometimes? It, it crumbles apart. Stuff falls apart. Marriages fall apart. Businesses fall apart. Churches fall apart. Why? Because this wasn't right. Because they were pursuing something, they were pursuing the do without the who. So here's the thing. When I'm conforming, when I'm pursuing and conforming to the image of God, I don't have to be concerned about direction. I don't have to get consumed. I don't have to be freaked out. I don't have to be stressed out about, I don't know what decision to make. But what if I make the wrong decision? If I'm conforming to the image of God, and he and I are like this, because I'm pursuing him, number one, I don't have to be concerned about direction. Why? Because Scripture promises that he will make my path straight. So here's the thing. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. So here's the thing, and I'll end with this. Whatever you do, so Scripture says, whatever, whatever you are doing, whatever you do, whoever you're dating, several people were like, whoever you're dating, whatever your job, Whatever direction or path you were on, do it all. Do it all for the glory of God. If you will do that and pursue Him, you'll get where you want to go and where God wants you to go. That's His promise. Let's pray. God, I thank You for both the simplicity uh, and the complexity of this, this idea. God, it's simple in mindset. God, it's simple for understanding the who before do. That's easy. 
It's, God, it's easy for us to comprehend why before what. But God, with the challenges of, of life and busyness and uh, the, the multitude of like directions and options we have today, God, and, and the fact we've got an enemy that would stop and, and stall, you know, the idea of the enemy not trying to cause us to be distant from you. God, we, uh, we just recognize our need. Our need today, God, for you to give us a wake-up call on this. Um, God, we do want to know your direction. We want to know your will. God, that's, I think that's maybe how you set it up for us to have that longing and that need. And that need and that longing would direct us back to you. So, Lord, I, I just bow the knee this morning and say, God, forgive me if, of wanting to, to know where to go and what to do before pursuing who in you. So, Lord, I, 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 I want to just say with us, I believe there's many of us here today, God, that would echo this. God, I want to just surrender back to you. So, God, we, we say that this morning. God, we say yes to pursuing you today. So, Lord, practically, God, that might mean for some of us, including myself, to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to be bold in my faith. I'm not going to shirk back. I'm not going to shrink because of fear, because of the perplexity of what decision to make, the right, the wrong. God, God, let me lead and live boldly by faith because my faith is not connected to something but someone, and it's you. So, God, give us guts. Let us live fearless. God, give us strength in you. And, Lord, I, I pray for those here this morning. They would say, that's all wonderful. But I don't have God in me. I know there is one. I've heard it said his name's Jesus. I've heard it said he's the Savior. He wants to forgive me of my sins. He wants to give me freedom or hope and salvation. But I don't have him. How many would you say this morning, I feel God tugging at my heart. And I want to make Jesus leader and forgiver of my life today. Jeff, would you pray for me? Would, would you raise your hand right now? I won't call you out, but if you raise your hand, I, I will pray for you this morning. I see. Yes. Anybody else? Jeff, pray for me this morning. We had several people this morning. Anybody else? Yes, I see you, sir. Anybody else? Okay, I see you, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Lord, we celebrate that you leverage struggles you, le- you leverage decisions. God, you leverage everything to lead us back to you. For some of us today, God, it's the very first time that we run to you. So, Lord, I pray right now for those that would say, I need a Savior today. God, I pray that our, our, our voices would be that we would just simply cry out to you and say, Jesus, today, in this moment right now, I recognize my needs, my need for you. And I'm asking you to be the leader and forgiver of my life today. Lord, would you save me and make me yours? Let me be your son. Let me be your daughter. And Lord, we celebrate the fact that we believe people are saved because your scripture said if we bow the knee, we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that you are Lord. Scripture says we are saved. So, Lord, we celebrate today. We celebrate salvation. 
we celebrate the fact that one day heaven will be more crowded because of you being with us today. So, Lord, we praise you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Woo! Let's get fired up today. I'm going to invite our host teams to come forward. We're going to close with an offering. I pray God would allow you to, uh, to give. If you're a guest today, be our guest. And if you're here today and you're hurting, you're hurting, and that bucket comes by and there's an amount of cash that, there that meets your need and you, you know that God's leading you and that's the need he's providing for you, I invite you to take that. We'll dim the lights. I invite you to stand. Let's sing. Let's thank God that he's more concerned about our who than even what we do.